You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 125. I keep thinking about this whole idea of self-compassion with coaching because to get to this place where you can be deeply compassionate to yourself and give yourself the nourishment that you need in order to be fully connected to your heart when you're doing your coaching, like in Healing Touch, that's our job. Our job is to be a fully nourished healer so that we can bring love in the biggest form we can to every interaction. And when we do that, like it just, it, it, it lets us detach from all of the self-comparison, you know, from the, I didn't do it right. It, because, you know, fear of course is what's operating when we wake up in the middle of the night, worrying about our business or if we're in the right place or if we're talking to the right person or the right people. And, you know, I love this. I had heard this somewhere. I'm trying to remember where I heard it, but it was fear kills intuition. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, Star Coach listeners. So very happy to welcome you back to another episode of the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler. We have a treat of an episode for you today because today I'm going to challenge you to turn the lens inward and have us talk about self-compassion and challenge you to be thinking about how you can apply the lessons that we're going to learn today, not only to your work with clients, and this work is definitely going to be helpful to your clients, but to yourself as well. Because as a helping professional, we can get energized in our work with clients, we can be fulfilled in our work with clients. And sometimes when we're others focused, we forget about the self-care. And that is what we're going to be talking about today with our guest, Jacqueline Fletcher. Now, before we get into our interview with Jackie, I do want to take a moment to once again remind you that I am currently exploring your needs so that I am certain to be making content and bringing you content that is helpful to you. So there is a short listener survey that you can access through the link on the show notes or at starcoachshow.com. On the homepage, there's a link for the listener survey. I would be so appreciative if you had a moment to fill that out. So now let's get back to what we're going to be focused on today. We are joined today by Jacqueline Fletcher. She's the founder of Heartwood Healing and the creator of Heartwood Self Mastery Programs. Now, Jackie has offered mindfulness and resilience training and coaching to thousands of people through her work with organizations, including Mayo Clinic. A lot of her work has been done through Mayo Clinic, including being the co-creator and host of the Healing Words television show and a founding faculty member of the Creative Writing at the Bedside program, both implemented through the Mayo Clinic. 
Now, Jackie is an award-winning author of 14 books, including Dear Body, Love Me, and she is going to bring her expertise to us in exploring how do we show up as our best by applying mindfulness and resilience practices, by focusing on what does self-compassion look like and how can we apply those principles to our own self-care as well as that of our clients. So I'm not going to make you wait anymore. Let's go to my interview with Jackie Fletcher. Jackie, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I am so thrilled to spend time with you this morning. Thank you so much, Meg. I am just beyond thrilled to be here. It's just so fun to talk to you. I love you're such a shiny light. So thank you for doing this podcast. Oh, it is such a labor of love. And so so to kind of catch the audience up, Jackie and I met back in November when I was the guest speaker at the ICF Houston. But you're not even in Houston and you happen to be there, which I thought was too much fun. And then you reached out to me. I did an interview for your podcast earlier this week. So Jackie and I have been hanging and having so much fun doing it. Can you share a little bit with the audience about what it is that you do and what brought you into this line of work? Sure, absolutely. So yes, the the line of work that I'm in right now is really I'm a teacher, I would say, and with with big healing energy. Big and, healing energy. Yeah, with big healing energy. And so I am not a certified coach, like most of your listeners are, but I come out of some different kinds of training. And so, gosh, probably about 10 years ago, Mayo Clinic asked me to come down to Rochester, Minnesota, and help them start their creative writing at the bedside program. So I'm a writer and I've published 14 books. And that's kind of my main, has been my main gig up until until I started working at Mayo. And I was working with patients directly at the bedside, which for any listeners who have done that kind of work, either in a volunteer capacity or in a professional capacity, it is so humbling. It is so beautiful. And you're really there with people who are in a crisis moment of some kind, you know, and their family members. And so I just was floored by that work. And so it started to grow. So Mayo came to me again and said, hey, what else can we do for patients? And I said, well, you guys have this beautiful, massive production facility. So let's do a TV show. And they said, okay, which was fantastic. And so That's I co-created so a show. Yes, it was really, really fun and creative. And and so they are just big believers in using art as a healing tool. And so the show that I built was called Healing Words. And it's really about using writing in particularly as a healing tool. And so the show goes into patient rooms at Mayo Clinic and all three of their kind of big campuses. So then after that, I was just asked to do more, uh, you know, more work around compassion fatigue, work around burnout, work around resilience. And I was asked to do those things because of some work I had done in the past studying with psychotherapists, but mostly because I have spent my entire life learning about mindfulness and resilience tools because, you know, I grew up a really overweight kid, was bullied as a kid. And uh, in my 20s, I lost 100 pounds that I've now kept off for 20 years. Bless you. 
Yeah, thank you. And that that experience of just living in my body and trying to learn how to manage myself was so powerful, such a teaching tool. And now I've, I've really started teaching a lot of those techniques to other people. So I created the Heartwood Self Mastery Program, uh, which I teach in different organizations around the United States and with a lot of mindfulness and resilience tools and just how do we feel good and vibrant in our bodies and get through very challenging things. And then I built the Heartwood Sanctuary, which I'm really excited about because so many people at the end of the trainings that I do, they say, how can I take you home with me? Uh, And so the sanctuary has been my answer to that question that I do live webcasts there every month and folks get all sorts of different kinds of resources in the sanctuary to basically live in this stressful world that we live in, in the most joyful and present and full way that we can. There is such a sense of peace and wholeness and joy in in your community. It's beautiful. So then we get today to talk about one of your favorite subjects, which I believe is going to bring value to everyone who takes the time to listen to this. And we're going to talk about self-compassion. So if, if we even think about self-compassion, Jackie, what, how would you describe that to the listener? I think the simplest way to describe that is really to just to be kind to yourself. I mean, that is the very simplest way to say it, that self-compassion is really learning to be your own best friend. And that is incredibly hard for people to do. And it's also not something that we're taught very often how to do, you know, by Mm -hmm. our parents or teachers as as we grow up. And so I come across so many people that have a pretty judgmental inner critic voice that's just absolutely not kind, you know, and we compare ourselves to other people and we say things like, oh, I'm such an idiot, you know, and we wake up in the middle of the night just getting down on ourselves. And so really, yeah, the simplest way to describe self-compassion is just being kind to your own dear heart. Well, and, and that whole concept of comparing ourselves to others, finding ourselves lacking, I hear that often from coaches who are coming into the field. The field of coaching is blossoming and, and sort of booming. So when we want to find our differentiator, when we want to kind of stand out in the crowd, or when we're brand new at something, it's it's really easy to compare ourselves to people who have been there longer or doing it, you know, for a longer period of time. So therefore their skills might be a little stronger, their networks are bigger. And and what might you say to somebody who's in that place of I'm trying to forge ahead from and create a new business for myself or enter into this new profession. And all I can do is compare myself to others and find myself lacking. And I'm laying awake at night wondering how am I going to make this work? Where does self-compassion fit into that? What a great question. And there's a couple places. So there's two things coming up for me right now. One is, you know, we all love the amazing Brene Brown, who just does such beautiful work on vulnerability. And one of the stories that I saw her, she gave an interview about one of her books. I think it was Rising Strong. And in the interview, she said, you know, the guy interviewing her said, where did you get, you know, this information on how to rise strong when somebody is feeling really low in their profession, for instance? And she said, you know, I interviewed creatives. And my ears perked up at that because that's my training. I come out, I'm a writer, so I come out of art training. Right. And, And I am a professional writer and I have been one for a very long time. 
And what's really interesting is that as a professional writer, which, you know, your coaches are going into a profession, right, where they're doing Mm -hmm. something, though, that is so close to their hearts that it can very quickly become part of your identity. And so as a writer, for instance, if some, if I get a bad review or if, you know, a client hates what I've done or anything like that, it becomes very quickly a problem if I am equating that feedback to my own sense of self-worth. Oh, yeah. And, right. And so that, so what the, what artists get training in is how to detach from that and to say, that is not about me as a person. That feedback is about this thing I made and the thing I made can always be made better. And so that kind of detachment is something that the training in self-compassion is really beautiful at helping people get. And so I think it's really important. You know, there's some really beautiful research. Self-compassion is one of those things that we as humans know it's just important. And now the researchers are jumping on board and, you know, telling us it's true. Yeah. But I love, there's some really great self-compassion teachers out there right now. And Kristen Neff is one of them. I've, I've heard her speak. Yes. Have you? Oh, yes. she's just fantastic. Yeah. And I really love her definition of self-compassion because it helps break it down really specifically into certain steps that people can take. And so there's, you know, three things that she believes that self-compassion is made of. And her training comes out of the same training I've received, you know, doing yoga for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And it's really three things. The first is this idea of being kind to yourself uh, without judgment. So that's kind of part number one, which of course cascades into how we talk to ourselves. Right. Uh, the, the second thing that it's made up of, which I think will really apply to your audience, is that this idea that we have to understand we are part of humanity, that we are never alone in how we feel. So when, if the coach is listening to this, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh my gosh, and you're comparing yourself to other people and you're like, my business isn't going the way I want it to, to remember that other people feel that way too. So I was giving a talk to 400 people. Mm-hmm. And they were all clinicians. Well, I guess not all. Some of them were administrative staff. And I said, so everybody in this room who has been hurt by another person, would you please stand up? All 400 <laughs> people stood up. And I said, look around the room right now. Because the next time that you are hurt by another person and you, feel, you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel like you're alone, I want this image to be in your head. Everyone is standing up. And that's what Kristen Neff really meant, right? Is that Mm -hmm. when you're alone in the middle of the night, we feel like nobody else has ever gone through this. So many people have. Right. And just that feeling of isolation can make it feel that much worse. So when we, we ourselves can normalize it or understand that we're, that we're not alone, when we can help our clients normalize things, it takes away some of the power of it. Yes. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And that's what the self-compassion, these exercises and practices really help do. They kind of take the bite out of things. They, they help us to kind of distance ourselves, you know, like the creatives to say, this is not my identity. This is a project that I'm working on that I need to improve right. or not. I get to right. decide. Right. Because, you know, maybe, maybe it is exactly what I want to present. And if it doesn't land well with that person, that's okay. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And that's the other part, I think, of self-compassion that begins to grow, which is this whole idea, self-kindness to this, you know, this whole idea of self-kindness grows into over time, 
some beautiful things like self-acceptance, and then the really beautiful thing, which is unconditional love for yourself. And when you can get there, oh my gosh, it's such a beautiful thing. And that's where you can get this distance to say, you know, what do I think about this project? And do I want to make those changes? Is it true to me? Or do I, do I want to just, you know, be where I am, saying the things I am, serving the people I am, and then just trusting that I'm resonating with the people who need this work. And that's, I think, the place that is a beautiful place to get to. And it's hard, especially right. if you're brand new as a coach. Right. And so a couple things that you said there that, first of all, you know, we work so hard on not being judgmental with our clients because anytime that judgment comes in, curiosity goes. But the same kind of thing for yourself. So what do you need to be curious about, about yourself or allow to happen and, and release the judgment? You know, treat ourselves the same way we would treat our clients. Don't hold ourselves to a different standard than we would hold our clients to. And then that concept that you said about being comfortable with choosing what's right for you. So in this situation, what resonated with me was, so you choose the clients that you're going to work with. And yes, that does exclude some clients, but the people that you're supposed to work with, that will resonate with them. We're not all things to all people. I mean, I guess we could try to be, but isn't that exhausting? What is our special niche? What is it that that is our special sauce? And what do we bring forward to? And how can we be compassionate with ourselves about that's okay, because that's what I do well. Yeah, that's great. You know, there's a couple of answers, I think, to that question. So first, I want to just say that the third part of self-compassion... I was going to say, yeah, I want to be sure we get to the third. Yeah, well, this is going to answer your question. So because you set it up beautifully. (laughs) So the third part of self-compassion is mindfulness. And mindfulness is the ability to pay attention. And so everybody starts to panic, you know, when we hear mindfulness, we think, oh, I got to sit on the cushion and meditate. I got to listen to my breath and I'm not good at that. My brain never, you know, quiets down. But the thing about mindfulness is that at its core, what it really is, is learning how to focus the brain. So we're not mind wandering and to relax the body. So the body is not in chronic stress state, which so many of us are living in all the time. And so that's really the big thing is paying attention with your body relaxed. So that's what mindfulness is. And what it leads to is what you're talking about is what do we have to learn about ourselves, right? As, as, and how do we observe ourselves with curiosity? Mindfulness is how we do this. And so the whole goal of mindfulness is to quiet the, quiet the whole system down Mm-hmm. so that we are still long enough that we can listen both internally and externally. And then we can, so for instance, we thoughts will come in and we'll say, huh, well, that's an interesting thought. I wonder where that came from or why I think that. What is the motivation? You know, what's the pattern here that's drawing these thoughts up into my mind? And so it's really allowing, like you said, like this curiosity to surface about everything we're doing, about the type of you know, thoughts that are coming about the behaviors that we have, about the reactions that we have. And I love that you were talking about how we need to set ourselves aside, right? When we're working with the client and just be open and curious. And one of the things that I will do, so I'm a, I'm a certified healing touch practitioner, which I just absolutely love. It's such a body centered practice. Mm -hmm. And very often the mind, it's so it's a very meditative practice as well. And the mind will just go, I need to solve this problem for this person. I need to fix this person. I need to, you know, 
And which I think coaches, I don't, I, I, would oh, absolutely. I was just on a, with a mentor student just right before this call. And that's exactly what we were talking about. You've got to get out of that desire to, I'm going to solve it for them. I'm going to solve it for them. We can't solve it for them. Cannot solve it for them. No. And in healing touch, we believe that the healer is actually the person on the table and that we are just guides. Right. Mm-hmm. And so But what I sometimes need to do, and I still do, even though I've been practicing a long time, is that I need to say, you know, as as soon as the thought comes up, like, oh, gosh, I might be performing in the wrong way. I might be saying the wrong thing. I don't know if this is resonating with this person. I'll say, all right, ego, stand down. (laughs) Stand aside. Oh, I love that. You know, and and I start practicing and modeling this voice of self-compassion, which is this really deeply loving voice that has healthy boundaries. So it's not just let you do whatever you want, but all right, come on now, let's stand down. All right, this is not the time for that. We're just gonna allow the, you know, the, this healing to happen in whatever way this person needs it. And to kind of, talk, I talk to myself now in this voice to do mm-hmm. that. And so that's kind of, so this, this paying attention is a really critical piece of it. And I'm trying to remember now the second part, because you had two questions that were kind of strung together. What, what was the second question? I want to make sure that I... You know, I, we, I was so involved in what you were saying. I think I was just saying to, you know, for, for coaches to, the, you know, how do I find my distinction? How do That's I right. get okay with that and not compare myself to others? Thank you. Yes, that is the other point. So I've been an entrepreneur for 18 years. I've had my own business for a really long time. And... I was really scared for a long time to niche down because I was like, if I decide on a client, you know, then I'm going to leave all these other people behind. And, you know, I was going to not be able to grow my business as big as I wanted to do. Who will I be saying no to? Yes, exactly. Yes. And what I found was when, when I did two things, it really worked. So one is that I thought, who are the people who really resonate with my work, who already get it? that I don't have to convince them that this is the right thing. Like they already are on the path. They get it. They want it. Like who are the people who want it? Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was a real aha for me. Instead of trying to convince people that they needed it, I went to the people who wanted it. So um, it's, it's more pull rather than you're not pushing yourself on people. You're just pulling the people towards you that already want to be there. Exactly. And one of my mentors, which, oh my gosh, just recently said this to me. She said, you know, it's not your job to serve people. It is your job to be as magnetic as possible. Ooh, right? I like that. Yeah. I like that too. And I've been thinking so much about it because if I am nourished, if I am fully grounded, if I know the messages that I, and the kind of help I want to give people, then then it's like this beautiful reciprocal energy and the whole ecosystem is healthy. But if I am running after people who don't need it, if I am giving too much, if my boundaries are, you know, not good, all of that, the whole system falls apart, you know, and then I swing into the resentful wounded healer, which is, you know, the person who's like, nobody ever gives me anything. Nobody ever helps me. I'm all alone. Well, and then really that's interfering with your whole energy and what you're wanting to be giving and and how you want to be. So that's an energy drain that doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't. No. And the, the other thing I think is when you just, I looked at my background and I mm-hmm. said, okay, well, not only who are the people I want to work with, but where do I come from? 
what are my loves? What are my, what have I spent my life learning how to do? Not only in my professional life, but in my personal life. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, I'm a writer and I started this stuff at Mayo Clinic and I've been working with healthcare providers for 10 years. Why don't I start there? And it was really interesting because I was scared to, you know, put on my website, like I work with healthcare folks and that's it. Right. And I, and so what was interesting is the more focused I got on healthcare, the more other people asked me for help. Isn't it interesting? It's sort of like when you narrow, people are like, wait, I want some of that too. You know, won't you also? So, so narrowing doesn't block people. If people are attracted to what you have, what you bring, I have a, a client who is a dating coach for women, but men want it too. I mean, you know, so it's even though her site is very specific to executive women, it doesn't keep other people away. No, it doesn't. If they resonate with your work, they will come. Yes. And, you know, and I keep thinking about this whole idea of self-compassion with coaching because, you know, to get to this place where you can be deeply compassionate to yourself and give yourself the nourishment that you need in order to be fully connected to your heart when you're doing your coaching. Like in Healing Touch, that's our job. Our job is to be a fully nourished healer so that we can bring love in the biggest form we can to every interaction. And when we do that, like it just, it, it, it lets us detach from all of the self-comparison, you know, from the, I didn't do it right. It, because, you know, fear of course is what's operating when we wake up in the middle of the night, worrying about our business or if we're in the right place or if we're talking to the right person or the right people. And, you know, I love this. I had heard this somewhere. I'm trying to remember where I heard it, but it was fear kills intuition. And yeah. Yeah. And I really, that really resonated with me because it just, it does. Fear kills it. Well, fear does. One of the things that really resonates with me about fear, I heard this years ago, I think from Marianne Williamson, that hate is not the opposite of fear or the opposite of love. The opposite of love is fear. And all of those, you know, hatred and resentment, and those are all fear-based emotions. So when we're caught in a place of fear, we can't be fully loving to ourselves or to others. And I think that just feeds right into what you were just saying as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it makes it so hard to do the work you're called to do, especially if the work you're called to do is relies on compassion for other people, then it's really challenging. So if you show up in a coaching session fearful about money, about is this the right profession at all for me? Am I talking to the right kinds of people? Like any of that fear that shows up, you're not going to be present with that person. And the goal, of course, I think of any kind of healing modality is to be present and to have a healing presence. I love this. One of the things that we had to do in our training was to experience other healers from, you know, as many different modalities as possible. And and so, you know, I spent a year uh, going to 10 different folks and then we had to write a big report on it, you know, because nurses are serious about the things that they teach you. And so we had to write all these reports. Right. Because Healing Touch was started by nurses and it's primarily done in hospitals and hospices and, you know, places. Mm-hmm. So it was so interesting because the first nine, you know, it was really interesting. They were great. I explored my curiosity, you know, just did all sorts of stuff that I would never have done before. And then on the 10th one, I went to get a massage, which, you know, I love getting massage. 
And it was a new woman because my woman had left. And so they said, well, can you just have this lady? And I was like, sure, I'll go to her. And so I went to her and she was technically amazing massage therapist. Like she knew what to do, Mm -hmm. but she had no healing presence at all. And it made my skin crawl to be on the table. And so when we're in fear, when we are not present, when we are not being compassionate to ourselves so that we are filled up and nourished with our own sense of self-love and acceptance, that's what happens. And people will feel that even if it's not being stated. Absolutely. It is there. Absolutely. So one of the things that I sort of repeated, I very much believe in and, and teach and talk to my clients about is that when we're doing, let's say, an exploratory session, or some people call them chemistry sessions, or get acquainted sessions with a potential client, as hard as it is, and I think this very much fits in with self-compassion, and I'm going to throw it to you to tie them all together, we have to really let go of attachment to the outcome. If we're so attached to convincing this person to work with us, much like what you said before, versus just being in that place of let's explore what you want from this situation, what we might be able to do together, what that would look like, those kinds of things, but really let go of attachment to how is this going to go. We can get so, I think that it puts such strain on ourselves and takes away from that self-care, self-love if we're just like, I have to have this client be my client. Yeah. What are yeah, your thoughts oh, about that? Yes, you're absolutely right. So two things come up. Mindfulness training is what helps us get emotional detachment so that we can notice the feeling come up and we can give ourselves a pause between the reaction. So instead of re- reacting, we're responding to it. And we can give ourselves this moment of like, hey, what's going on right now? So that's kind of what the art of mindfulness helps us do. <laughs> Let me tell, I'll I'll tell you a story that kind of illustrates though this, uh, I I think what you're saying and what you're asking. So I lost a hundred pounds in my twenties and I hadn't been doing a lot of dating. And when I started dating, after I'd lost the weight, I'd bought these amazing red pants (laughs) and I loved these red pants so much. And on the exterior, I looked very different from what I had looked like before, but my interior was the same. Okay. And so when I started dating, it's like the, there was this musical, the original musical from like the 1970s or 80s of Oliver. And Oliver, and I, I tell this story in my podcast recently that Oliver is this little boy who's in the orphanage. And I'm probably screwing this up because I'm relying on my memory. But in my memory, he goes up to the, this big, scary man who's handing out the food in the dining hall at the orphanage. And he's got this bowl in his hands. And there's just this little guy, you know, and, he, and his sh- shoulders are rolled forward. And he's just like, you know, may I have some more? Because of course he's English. I probably butchered that, but and he's just he's begging for the food. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was doing when I started dating. I was like, Do you like me? And everything rode on that person's answer. My whole sense of value in myself, my self-worth rode on the answer of the person at answering the question. Because I was so focused on external validation for my own self-worth. I started to really work on that over the years. And that's where, you know, this work and self-compassion comes in because trying to learn like, wait a minute, when I was doing yoga on the yoga mat, you know, my teachers were saying, Hey, isn't this body of yours amazing? Oh my gosh, look at what it can do. And I started to really hear this voice of self-compassion first externally that I could then learn how to do for myself. 
And I started saying, well, yeah, my, I didn't know I could do that. This is amazing. And my teachers would start to say, now listen to your thoughts. What's happening to your thoughts? And I started saying, oh, my thoughts are terrible. And they're fear-based and they're cruel to me. And they compare me to other people and their bodies and look at her. I'll never be like that. And it was so interesting. So as I started to learn how to treat myself with self-compassion and to change my thoughts so they were more compassionate, then I experienced this kind of shift on the inside, which was an energetic shift. And it was a shift from external validation to internal validation. And when I did that, my whole body language changed, right? So I was this rolled, shoulders rolled forward, looking at the ground, kind of, do you like me, you know, begging kind of way mm-hmm. to shoulders back, gaze up, straight spine, and really grounded and rooted in my own body. And then saying, you know, if do you like me? And if you do, great. And if you don't, that's okay too, because someone else will. And that changed everything. And so I think for coaching and for, you know, getting clients, right? it's the exact same thing. And so what if instead of thinking, oh my gosh, I need to get this client. How can I get this client, you know, and begging? Yeah. Yeah. And why would they work with me versus somebody else and all the different things that, that we can kind of put through our minds? Exactly. And instead of doing that, saying, I have gifts to give to this person. I am doing this for a reason. And if these gifts are the ones that person needs, awesome. And if they don't need these gifts, that's awesome too. And that actually ends up, A, creating more confidence in in yourself and 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 just sort of and comfort in what we do and sort of ironically ends up attracting more people because people would rather work with somebody who has that level of comfort and and confidence and self-compassion than somebody who is presenting as though I'm really desperate to have you be my client. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Because we know that thoughts end up in our energy and it's what we project to other people and our feelings about ourselves or the belief systems that are operating underneath it. So if we think we're priceless, then we will we'll radiate that. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of back to what we were talking at the beginning, which is it's not our job to serve. It's our job to be magnetic. Wow, what a great circle. <laughs> Jackie, anything else that we haven't touched on about self-compassion? I know there's, you know, we, we don't even have enough time to possibly touch on everything about self-compassion, but anything that you want to be sure that we touch on before we wrap up? Yeah, thank you. I would love to leave people with a couple techniques that they could actually, you know, try themselves. Wonderful. Perfect. Okay, so the, the first one is one that many mindfulness teachers will tell you to do. And it's basically writing a letter to yourself as though you're your own best friend. So I wrote a series of books called the Dear You Collection, where I wrote Dear You, which of course was me, and wrote a letter and then signed it, Love Your Heart. And so I wrote these books, you know, in my journal and just was practicing this voice of self-compassion. So you can write Dear You, or you could write your own name at the top. And just write yourself a letter as though you're your own best friend. So that would, I I would say is kind of technique number one. Technique number two is we know that touch is incredibly powerful. And there's research that shows us that if we just literally take our hands and put them over our heart center, 
that we will feel greater self-compassion. So that's another thing I often tell people to do before they write the letters or anytime that they're feeling like, ah, you know, out of control or fear is spiraling in to really put your hands on your heart center and take those nice deep breaths down into the belly. It will help you calm your body down. And then if you breathe in this very particular way that calms the vagus nerve, so you breathe in for a count of four and out for a count of eight so that the inhale is shorter than the exhale. And it can be any count, but as long as it's kind of 50-50, you know, where it's double, I should say, that will really, really help. And then to just practice this internal voice of unconditional love with, with healthy boundaries. That is, you can just imagine, you know, a little puppy, right? And, and you don't scream at the puppy to get over here. You say, no. hey, little puppy, come on over here. It's not appropriate that we chew on that person's hand. <laughs> So I guess those are kind of the techniques I would love to leave people with because, of course, it's one thing to listen to a podcast and hear all sorts of great stories and ideas, but unless we actually take action afterward, it doesn't really help a whole lot. So I really encourage somebody, you know, everybody listening that they try one of these techniques today after after they stop listening to the to the call. And very doable, very powerful. And I thank you for taking the time to share those because, and I really do encourage our listeners to implement those and see how are they impacting the way that you think and the way that you feel. Thank you, Jackie, for joining the show today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I always love talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) And I, you. So there you are, challenged to look inward, take care of yourself, build your resiliency, practice some of those mindfulness techniques and practices that Jackie introduced us to, and continue to move forward, bringing the very best of yourself to your clients. I want to thank Jackie Fletcher again for joining the show today. If you'd like to know more about Jackie and her work, go to the resource page at starcoachshow.com. If you are enjoying the show and you could take just a minute to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful. Every positive review we receive increases the traffic to the show. And my intention is to have as many coaches as possible learn about the Star Coach Show and wonderful messages like we got today from Jackie Fletcher about self-compassion. Now, next week, we're going to be continuing our journey into more strategies, tools, and resources for you to apply to your practice And I am super excited about the lineup of guests that I have for you. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a great week.